Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Happy Solstice, Merry Christmas, and Happy Holidays. Today is Christmas Day of 2023, and this is mothering number 12. 12 for December, I suppose. 12 for the 12 days of Christmas, maybe. Haven't done a mothering episode in quite some time. And it's feeling like the right time to talk about some things like holidays, like solstice, like winter solstice and Christmas in particular. I'm going to be sharing today more about what that looks like in our house since people have asked over the years, and I don't think I've ever talked about it. I don't know when anybody will be listening to this. It'll probably be after the holidays, but I thought I'd start with an update. Having this be a mothering episode is really fun because I feel like I can give some kid updates, which I don't usually do on the normal birth podcast unless... It just really comes up. But we have all kinds of really fun things happening here with the kids. Let's see. Um, Amelia is likely, or I think very likely, as in she has an airline, airplane ticket. Uh, she is going to Spain in the spring or almost spring. Amelia is the oldest and she really loves to travel. And I believe she'll be photographing a wedding there in Spain. I may go with her. Suppose I'll update people if that actually happens, but I am considering it. Leaving nine other children and dogs behind is never easy. It never feels like a good time for that. And I always feel a little guilty to be honest, because my husband really doesn't go on trips, although he's welcome to. And so it's just been over the years, me really, and not very much. I haven't been a super duper traveler because the kids have always been so tiny, right? We've always had a baby. And now that Rumi is three, it's feeling like if I can, I would love to see some other places in the world. I am a Sagittarius moon and Sagittarius rising. So even if you don't know what that is, Sagittarius is the adventure seeker, someone that makes travel plans sort of on a whim, loves seeing the world. And that is definitely true about me. Now it's balanced, I think, with my Cancer sun. And Cancer is the home loving, you know, solid, um, yeah, being at home part of my personality but sometimes the Sagittarius wins. So we shall see if Spain is in my future as well. Kid-wise, we had a very nice solstice, which I'll talk about. 
Rumi, the youngest, really wanted a skateboard. Really and truly wanted a skateboard. Our kids don't watch a ton of TV, but he, Rumi, happened upon this episode of Blippi. Oh my gosh, do you know Blippi? I actually think it's okay. I think it's tolerable for a kid's show. Uh, my main complaint about Blippi is that it seems like most of the stuff he does is indoors. And that sort of bothers me. Like, get out in the world, dude. But anyway, he, being Rumi, loves this Blippi episode with Sean White, who's a professional skateboarder. And he's watched it a hundred times. So literally every morning of his life, he wants to watch Blippi skateboard. And he just sits there mesmerized, like absolutely mesmerized. So uh, his solstice gift from his sister Tallulah was a skateboard. And we've been going to the skate park for the last week on and off. And he's again mesmerized. He will just stand there for half the time and watch other people skateboard, which I think is so great, right? Like there's nothing like in person. And then the other half, honestly, it's a bit challenging because he's just three and he has this full size skateboard and he can't really ride it yet. So he's learning to balance and I will help him. Like I'll hold his hands and we'll go up ramps and down. And he's pretty good with the balance when I'm holding his hands, but he's not really wanting to let go a whole lot yet. So we'll see. But we are in um, one of the most outdoor capitals of the world, right? People surf and bike and skateboard kind of all the time. So I think we're in a great place for it. And if he really wants to learn, he'll probably be quite good at it is what I think. The other little girls, so Deva, Cove and Ever usually come along. And they also are really enjoying skateboarding and trying to learn. So probably going to end up getting a couple of extra skateboards, uh, but I'm all for it. I think any of the things that they gravitate towards that they want to do, especially as they're a little older. So Ever is, um, how old is she? She's almost 10. She has taken a specific interest in it, which, you know, she's not interested in everything at 10. And she also is a perfectionist in a sense. Uh, She gets easily frustrated when something doesn't come naturally to her. And I haven't seen her get frustrated with skateboarding. She really, really loves it. So we shall see if we have a future skateboarder on our hands here. But that is the bulk of our activities lately. I had actually thought about doing a podcast that was talking more about how our life looks here day to day. And I could totally do that in the future. But right now, it really just looks like we're outside almost all the time. And that's obviously because it's so beautiful here. It's Christmas Day. It's 85 degrees. It's super sunny. And also because our yard here really isn't big. So we've traded a yard for the ocean. That's what I like to say. And if we want to be outside, we're usually outside of the house. And luckily, the town we live in is just really fantastic. Everything is close. Um, There's just kids everywhere. So when we go to the skate park, there's also a ton of fields. There's a pool there. There's baseball fields. There's tennis courts. Uh, We've been hanging out there a lot. 
and that is our day usually. Some kind of morning activity outside, usually bike riding and walking. Uh, The morning is usually when I get all my walks done (laughs) and I'll have some dog news in a minute. But Jason and I both sort of trade off walking in the morning. The kids usually get a supervised bike ride, the little ones. They like to ride through this little neighborhood here. And then we usually have an afternoon activity, the skate park, the park, or the beach. And sometimes all three, crazy as that is. And usually those aren't Rumi's best days. Uh, I think two activities is really his max. He doesn't take naps and hasn't for a long time. So some nights, Jason and I will just go to the beach before dinner if someone's available to watch him. And that's life here. It's really quite simple. It really is just an outdoor lifestyle. And the work, you know, quote unquote work I have to do like podcasts or writing newsletters or whatever it is, I can just fit in as the week goes on. So feeling really grateful and lucky about that. I am on call actually, and I'm really looking forward to this one mama here birthing. And then I don't know. I don't have anybody else. I don't really have plans for that. It just depends if the right people come my way, maybe. But honestly, I am really enjoying, uh, for the most part, not being on call. I've really enjoyed it. And the months have gone by so fast. So it's definitely not something I want to do, you know, full time here. I really just want to enjoy my life. And it's not that you couldn't enjoy your life with births, but if you're super busy attending births, then you, of course, spend a lot of time in the car. And like I said, I'm really enjoying being with the kids and just sort of having nothing. I mean, it's not nothing when you have nine kids or I guess eight here that we have to take care of. It's not nothing. So just being with them, just doing the bike rides, just doing the skate park, doing the beach. It's not a just. That's my whole life. And I feel great about that. And again, so lucky, so lucky and grateful that my life can look that way. And that Jason and I both have created a life where that's what we do. We're just here. We're just here with them and loving this Hawaiian lifestyle so much. Uh, A brief dog update, because that's kind of my mothering path as well to mother children and somehow to mother animals. Um, I have... Let's see, how do you say it? I have acquired (laughs) a very large dog and he's very cute. Uh, He's an otter hound mix. So I had no idea what that was, but if you want to Google it, they're kind of giant water dogs. And that's exactly what he is. He was being given away by a family that I guess just didn't have time for him. And I wasn't sure what I was getting myself into. And I don't completely know yet either. It's only been three days, but he has made a remarkable adjustment. He is a very special dog. And without telling the super long version of the story, I just knew this dog was supposed to be mine. Um, A while ago, I had seen his ad (laughs) and kind of ignored it. And anyway, uh, you know, the universe has gifts for us all the time when we're open to it. And I knew I wanted another dog here to be a family dog. You know, we really love our dogs and we love Henna. She's here with us. 
My other dogs are in Kentucky, which is so weird, but they're also a lot older. They're nine and 10 years old and it doesn't feel, and it hasn't felt like the right choice to ship them here. I think they're too old to be put through that kind of stress and they belong to the land that they live on with the lovely people that are living in our house. And that's weird. You know, it feels like I adopted my children out or something. But in my moments of sadness, I realize it's selfish because they are happy. They are being cared for. And like I said, they belong to that land. They are able to run and, you know, play and they know where they are. And at 10 years old, I'm not going to put a dog on a plane for 24 hours to come here where they don't have as much room to run and play. So um, that is a choice that I have made for now. And the dog that I have acquired, you know, would come back allegedly with us uh, if or when we go back in that direction. So it felt like a win-win either way. Other than an older dog is always a risk. A puppy, you know, you in theory get to shape. And I've raised many puppies over the years and I do enjoy that. But it's just like having a newborn in a way. It means every minute of every day you're attentive to this animal. You know, they pee on the floor, they poop on the floor, obviously. So it's a huge commitment to have a puppy. And I forgot it's kind of a huge commitment to take any animal in. Although this guy is potty trained, so at least I get to skip that step with him. But he is a very large dog and he has obviously had some traumas. And I don't even know how old he is. So there's a lot there. There's a lot to work with. There's uh, some fears he has. He seems very timid at times. And Henna is not fond of him at the moment. I'll leave it at that for people that aren't super dog people like me. But it's actually crossed over into mothering, which is why I brought it up. Because dogs really do remind us of our boundaries and our way of looking at habits and discipline. So just offering that in a way as part of this mothering podcast today. Dogs are not bad. Kids are not bad. And it's so easy, especially with a dog, to reprimand and to, you know, maybe punish or discipline an animal that isn't listening or whatever the case may be. And I've kind of been refreshing my dog training knowledge. I am not a dog trainer, but I'm a novice. And I've, again, raised a lot of animals. So I'm somewhat familiar with some of the techniques and tactics. And again, I just want to say how close it is to mothering. Because positive reinforcement for a dog is the way to go, according to me. <laughs> so there are lots of ways to punish them, right? We have shock collars and all kinds of stuff. And I'm sure there's a time and place for that. But I've been fortunate, I suppose, with the animals I've had. I've not really needed to go that route. Even with Henna, who was a very difficult teenage dog, she responds so well to food. She responds so well to positivity. And so does this new guy who, by the way, we're calling Ozzy. Ozzy means bear god or God's power, and he really does sort of look like a bear. He is also very powerful. And of course, you know, 
all animals, all creatures are a gift from spirit. So positive reinforcement, as far as children goes, is exactly the same. And it's an opportunity when you have a new dog in the house to really look at your parenting and say, you know, where am I out of control? Because the first day I had this dog, I was going to bring him back. Seriously, you guys. I called one of my dog friends and he said, you know, I'll talk you down. Um, It'll be okay. You know, every time I adopt a new dog, I have those same thoughts. Just like give it some time. He was right. Uh, Already it's better. But that initial response was like, oh my God, my household is out of control. This dog has upset the apple cart, right? Henna has been so great on her own and the energy is flowing and we have such good communication. And now I've let the atmosphere be contaminated with this crazy dog I brought in, like all kinds of feelings, right? Guilt and anger even. And just realizing that parenting can sometimes feel the same way. Uh, So anyway, just looking at my parenting over the last even week and saying, you know, what is out of control? Why do I feel out of control with this dog? Where do the kids need better boundaries? And things definitely came up. And this isn't along the lines of holidays, really, but just boundaries with them around cleaning up, around having a more tidy house is very important because there's a lot of us here. And they have very distinct responsibilities. So when those are skipped, or in the case of last week, when they argue about what is being done, um, you know, I was needing better boundaries. So at the very least, Ozzy has brought in that reminder that I need to be firm. And there really isn't negotiation about things like cleaning up the kitchen. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear why. I don't want to hear why they didn't. I didn't want to hear about another one of the siblings. No, that's just not how this house is going to be run. So dogs, (laughs) dogs are our best teachers, I swear. Well, our kids definitely are as well, obviously. But back to positive reinforcement for just a moment. Um, It's so easy to focus on when our kids do something really annoying. And again, I've needed this reminder too. So focusing more on when they're doing something that is really pleasing. Even if they're just sitting there, you know, you don't have to praise everything. But if a kid's had a really rough day and has been destructive or whatever, it's so easy to focus on that, especially when they're tired or you're tired. And then you notice there's that moment. And Rumi did this earlier. He was having a really hard morning and suddenly it was quiet. And I looked up and he was sweeping the kitchen floor. So at that moment to say, hey, Rumi, thank you, buddy. That's a really great cleaning job you're doing. Thank you so much for helping. And it's the same with the dog. If we don't focus on the negative behavior, it eventually falls away because they don't have a motivation for doing it. So anyway, I'm just sharing uh, how these things have been overlapping between these two dogs. Um, And I'm training them. So I'm training the new dog. But I also got re-inspired to work with henna a little bit. And so I've been training henna separately and this other dog separately and training my kids and it's all working together. So positive reinforcement, noticing the good, noticing when they're relaxed, noticing when they're whatever, doing something that makes them happy or you are happy, pointing that out. And of course, with a dog, that usually involves a little morsel of food, but not always. It can just be a good boy or a good 
good dog or good girl. And I don't really say that to the kids, but you know, positive words of encouragement or praise is like a treat. It really is. So going into the new year with some of those thoughts and those practices, really basic, but you know, here I am needing a reminder after 10 kids. And again, thinking this sweet Aussie, this giant boy for being the messenger lately. Okay, well, you've gotten a kid update. You've gotten a dog update. And I was going to move into our holiday traditions. I want to say first that holidays are a really interesting time, are they not? They really are because they don't really stand alone from our past. They don't stand alone. Like we kind of can't have a holiday without knowing maybe what was done or what wasn't done. We can't really make new traditions without checking in with where we came from. And so I'm honoring that in my own way, even though we're doing things differently now, like honoring my family, honoring Jason's family, honoring all the traditions maybe we had as children, and definitely not coming from this perspective of there being a right or a wrong or a good or a bad. And I hope that comes through because my intention is not to criticize uh, anyone else's holiday traditions. And I think it could be easy to read it that way, especially when some of the reasoning is a bigger perspective. So having Christmas, for example, be like this mass consumerism holiday, I mean, I think we're all aware of that. So if you choose to do that, I don't really care. It's not my business. I don't judge. Um, That's not the only reason we don't do it. So it's not like it's bad. And we have this list of things that we hate (laughs) about mainstream holidays. It's been in the soul searching that I've done and Jason has done, uh, the the spiritual work that we've done, and just our own intentions. So saying it again, you do you. I am very aware and respectful of the fact that people celebrate all kinds of things. And if you do it in the most traditional way, because that's what feels good, and that's what feels good to your family, that's great. I don't care. It doesn't mean anything about you to me. (laughs) And again, the intention is the most important thing. (coughs) Excuse me. My own history with Christmas is interesting, however, and I've been more aware of that the past few years. I'll explain. So my growing up was very traditional, very mainstream, as most people know. It was just my sister and I and my mother, my loving mother, really made a big deal out of Christmas. Again, I don't want to criticize that. My mother is amazing. She did the best she could. And I can't even speak for her. Like, I can't say why 
she chose what she did. I only have my own perspective on it. What I felt and what I saw as a child during Christmas was a lot of gifts. And as a sensitive child, it somehow created this like emptiness for me. And that might sound weird, or maybe that's a really common thing amongst people or sensitive people. I'm not sure. But I remember just feeling empty, even as a little child, like I wanted all this stuff. And my mother went totally bonkers with Christmas. So it was just my sister and I, Uh, you know, my parents were well off enough. And even if they weren't, honestly, they probably would have sacrificed a lot because Christmas was important to them. It was important for my mother to give gifts, right? So again, I'm not judging that, but I see that now, like it was more about her in a way, even though she loves us, she definitely loved us then. And maybe that was how she showed it. It was over the top. So you think that would make a really great impression on a kid, but I'm being honest. And, you know, I hope my mother doesn't hear this. I don't think she will. Um, It just really didn't feel great. So that doesn't mean I don't have great memories of getting this gift or that gift, although truly, I don't even remember hardly any of the gifts individually. Um, I just remember the feeling. So that's how I was raised. That's great. And, you know, on one hand, it's a very spoiled situation. And I recognize the trauma that was inherent there. So like I said, for the last few years, I've been more aware of that. And I realized that In a lot of ways, I have chose differently for my kids based on that trauma, which, you know, isn't the most mature reaction. But when we work from trauma, when we choose from trauma, we don't always know. So that's the truth. I think when I started out with kids, I knew I wanted to go another way. And as I've matured, as I've had more children, I see now that that other way really is right for us. And it's not out of trauma. But that is how it started. I just basically wanted something different. And when my kids were young, my oldest kids were young, they did get a couple of gifts, but Christmas was never crazy. So from the very beginning, we have never done Santa. Um, We really have never had a Christmas tree. And maybe I'll talk about that. But we did give a couple of gifts to the kids when they were younger. And we only had a few that made sense. And, you know, I think they have decent memories of all of that. In the last few years, though, the intention has grown stronger to teach the tradition. So again, when I first started, it was more like, oh, we're going to do Christmas, just a tiny one, because I was so traumatized. (laughs) Um, But now it's like, no, let's have this intention of celebrating winter, so winter solstice. Uh, Let's celebrate this turn of season and this change of energy. I love winter solstice, even here in the tropics. I love how you can feel loose ends being literally tied up and things coming to a close at winter solstice, the darkest day of the year. And even now on Christmas day, December 25th, already the slight energy has switched and you know, we're far from spring, but it's like the seeds have been planted. Because I feel that, I feel that in my own body. 
Uh, I live that. It's become more of a lived experience the last bunch of years. Being connected to the earth, feeling the rhythms of, um, you know, even the ocean here in the winter, that has become our focus. So can we celebrate that? Can we celebrate the darkness? Can we sit in stillness, right? Can we look forward to the light and spring? That is the celebration of winter solstice. And to me, and again, this is just me, to me, that has so much more meaning than Christmas. Uh, Christmas, if you're not Christian, it has probably other meaning, right? Because all holidays were essentially pagan (laughs) to begin with. Um, But, you know, from this Christ perspective, from Jesus being born, if that's not your jam, what's the meaning? So I guess that's always my encouragement to people listening. Do what you want. I love intention. I love having the intention. So you might have a really awesome and beautiful intention behind this Christmas idea, however you do it. And growing into myself as the matriarch, I wanted to offer that as well. So the matriarch of the family solidifies the tradition. And that feels really good to me that we have a thing we do at Solstice. And I'll talk about the Yule Log in a minute. Um, We have this practice. We have this time of year. Uh, We're able to switch things up a little bit. This year we definitely did. But this is our family. This is our tradition. And I imagine going forward... Uh, as the matriarch, as I eventually have grandchildren and such, that these traditions will be respected. You know, of course, my kids may choose to do different things with their own families. But as the matriarch, I have set the tradition. And my family, when they're, you know, with me and in our family gatherings, we will honor this tradition. It doesn't mean we can't honor other traditions as well. But there's something really exciting about that and I think really meaningful. And maybe that's where we each can be more intentional, thinking of this perspective. So placing yourself as the matriarch and working from there. If it's still Christmas, if it's still Santa, go for it. But what does the matriarch in you want to plant in your family? Maybe it continues even after you're gone. And this idea, um, like I said, of winter solstice feels really good for us. It's not about gifts, although we do do gifts. So the kids all pick names, all 10 children, even Egan, who's not living here with us. Everybody gets a name and they buy that person a gift. And the little kids, of course, I have to help or just do on my own. But everybody gets a gift from a sibling. And I have to say, this year was bittersweet because as I shared, Egan, our second born, my 19-year-old, does not live here in Hawaii with us. He lives in Arizona. Um, He still participated, so he mailed his gift to his sister right on time. And we mailed his to him. And he was so cute. Uh, Solstice, you know, came around on the 21st. And I didn't know or care what he was going to do right in his own um, place there in Arizona. But he texted me that morning and he said, Mom, when are we opening the gifts? And I thought it was so cute uh, that he was going to do it with us. So he waited because of the time difference. He waited all day. And when it was time to open the solstice gifts, he got on FaceTime and we had him with us. And it was, you know, 
a chaotic thing, kids ripping paper, you know, roomie on a skateboard, um, all kinds of craziness going on while he watched on FaceTime. Um, But I know it was really important to him. And I have to say, I don't care if he hadn't done that. Um, If he had wanted to like do a Christmas thing with his girlfriend, all the power to him. And maybe he did. I don't even know. But the fact that he wanted to be part of Solstice and that tradition, I guess, got in him. And I felt so good about that. I felt like, oh, wow, (laughs) that feels like such a mom win, you know? Um, I don't know, just that like it was important to him and he grew up with that and he wasn't going to abandon it the moment he got some freedom. He really uh, respects that tradition and wanted to be a part of it. So really, really made me feel happy inside. And it was sad he wasn't here. I could tell that he was missing everybody and everybody was missing him. But that is the beautiful thing, I think, about this tradition for us is that it's not just about a gift. Um, It is about, you know, celebrating and loving each other. And I love watching the kids give their gifts and pick them out. It's literally like the funnest tradition that they have all year um, to pick a gift out for a sibling and to, you know, spend their own money and figure out how much it costs and how much, you know, all of that stuff. Not just to pick the gift, but to kind of make it happen. So we really love that tradition. Our other tradition on solstice is that Jason and I give each of the kids a book. And I think Jason came up with that years ago. Uh, I don't even remember how or why, but that's our tradition. We don't buy them junk and we don't buy them anything at that point other than a book. And it's a really nice ritual for Jason and I too to go to a bookstore together. And there's a really fun bookstore here that we hadn't been to yet. Kind of like your classic, totally cluttered um, Harry Potter type bookstore. And, you know, he picks out some for some of the kids and I pick out the other ones. And all of the kids get a book. The truth is, who knows if they read them, especially the older kids. But that's not the point. The point is, that's our tradition. And, um, you know, they don't have to be novels or anything, like ever received a book about how to draw. And there's all kinds of practice exercises in there she's been working on. So it can be any kind of book. And like I said, nobody's forced to read it. I think they usually do. But that's what our tradition is. And we're hoping that over time too, that helps instill a respect for books and for that way of learning. Because, you know, definitely the world is moving away in some, in some cases from just a good solid book. I'm someone that loves a good solid book. I have a whole stack right here. I do not read on a computer or a Kindle, no way. Uh, So I love books. And you know, sometimes I buy them books and I end up reading them too. We'll see. That is our tradition. That is our solstice tradition. We do do a Yule log every year and we did not actually do the log this year. So to be honest, Hawaii has changed that tradition just because I don't know where to make a fire here and a fire is crucial. So I still did this. At least I did. I don't know that the kids did and maybe we will Maybe we will actually do this um, later this week or something. 
but the Yule log is just a giant log. And you know, last year it came from our property. So that was fun. First, you have to find the log on the property or wherever. And uh, usually we have a bigger party for solstice. So friends and whatnot. This year we just had us. Oh, geez. Sorry. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. So if I do, I do. In the meantime, I'm sniffy over here. So we find the log. Uh, we buy some ribbon. So, you know, gift wrapping ribbon. Kids love picking that out. Sometimes it's satiny or sparkly or whatever. And then to do this ritual, you simply write on a piece of paper what you're looking forward to the light bringing you or, you know, why, what, you're, what you're offering to the universe or, or what you want to realize or what your intention is. There's a lot of ways you could word it when the light returns. So this year, I actually did this um, online with my magical mama circle. That was a very beautiful circle. So I've done it already. But again, we might do it as a family at some point soon. And everybody writes their thing on a piece of paper. For the little kids, you know, we help them, obviously, and we might word it differently. Just like, what is your wish for the for the new year? And it's not about wishing for a doll or a teddy bear. It's like, a wish for the world or a wish for your family, help them write it on there. Generally, these things aren't shared. These are, you know, private intentions. And then they get tied onto the log with the string or the ribbon. Once everybody has added their intention, then you burn the log. And of course, that can have its own ritual that can have its own ceremony and celebration. Most years we've done it, it's just a beautiful kind of silent burning, honestly, Uh, feels really good. So fire is an amazing ritual maker. And again, we'll probably find a way to do that. But that has been our tradition for the last, I want to say 10 years. It's been quite a while. And it feels really important. It feels great to think about what we've been given in the last year. And it's not about asking for more, of course, it's about opening yourself up to receiving and setting that intention. Receiving is also another part of this time of year. Um, Giving is the other half. And honestly, I want to do more giving with them. We did donate some, um, some gifts this year, boxes of produce through our farm organization. But I would like to do more of that. And I would like the kids to be more active in that. Uh, I don't think that's something I feel we are really great at for all that we've been given, we could give back more. And as time passes, hopefully, I will work that in more to our traditions. Because That feels really important. And again, you know, that's obviously something anyone can do, even if you're celebrating Christmas. Even as a kid, I remember my mom would always buy stuff to give uh, as gifts. I kind of remember it as like a church thing. So we went to church when I was a kid. And, you know, I think she'd, it was like for a shelter, maybe something like that, right? So I remember as a kid, always picking out items for kids or adults and wrapping them up and bringing them to the church for people that didn't have as much. So 
My mother totally gets points for that. I think that's a very beautiful thing to do, no matter what you believe, no matter what tradition you are engaged in. It's always nice to think about how we can balance it and how we can teach our kids that the more we give, um, not only do we feel great, but truly in this universal sense, the more we receive as well. And that is what I think Christ consciousness is. It's why I've never been a fan of religion. Um, I've never felt like church was ever something I would put my children through and successful on that. They have never been to church, any of them. That's been our choice. And again, those come from trauma reasons for sure, especially on Jason's side. But I think we have matured and it's not that at all at that at this point in life. It's more that we believe there are bigger perspectives that we would love our children to participate in. And like I just said, um, Christ consciousness is that it is love. It is giving it is acts of service. And if we can instill that in our children during this time of year, and really all times of year, that feels like a win. And again, I'm sure that's possible with engaging in the more mainstream culture. But If I was going to juxtapose those things, the mainstream kind of like Santa thing for Christmas and Christ consciousness, I know what's important to me and I know what I would love my children to be bathed in. So things like Santa, because people have asked me over the years, have never been a part of our family traditions. And I don't think that's going to (laughs) change because we just don't do that. And again, that was very purposeful in the start of parenting. I was traumatized by that whole idea. I was so invested in Santa. And honestly, it was so disappointing in the end and overwhelming to me that I didn't want to lie to my children. I just didn't want to lie to them because it didn't make sense to me even as a child. I didn't understand why some kids wouldn't get gifts then. Like if Santa was really going around the world, um, you know, why did some kids get nothing? It didn't make sense. So rather than have to explain all that to my kids, we just never did it. And I've never heard that they missed it because they've never had it, you know? So we were just talking today about, um, you know, we have friends certainly that do. And my kids have always been respectful of that. The kids that are, you know, kind of in that middle range, um, seven to 10 years old, they have friends that probably are still doing that. They still believe in Santa. And my kids know not to spoil that for them. You just don't say anything, whatever. Uh, You don't have to, you know, ruin that for anybody that that's really important to you. But my kids know from the very beginning that Santa is not real, that we give the gifts or, you know, in this case, their siblings will give them a gift. And we read books, you know, they know what Santa is. And it's just like, yeah, that's something that some people believe. But really, it's about giving, right? Because what did Santa do? He gave gifts. Okay, well, everybody has this Santa essence. Everybody is a giver. And that's really exciting, isn't it? Because when Santa gives stuff, you don't know what you're going to get. So anyway, I think there are really cool principles to pull from that whole tradition. But Obviously, obviously, I think it's also totally overblown 
in the mass consciousness. And I just didn't want to ever participate in that. The other thing that I have not wanted to participate in is a Christmas tree. It's not because I don't love trees. I actually really love trees. And I think that is why. Even as a child, I believed in everything having a soul. Uh, So animism, I guess, is the term like a rock has a spirit. And even this desk I'm sitting at is a thing. It's a thing that I care about. It might not have blood, it might not have bones. But it's a thing I have respect for like I wouldn't throw my desk, um, you know, out the window, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Like, I have respect for all things. So as a child, I did have those thoughts, but that wasn't our tradition to not have a tree. So we always had a tree and I enjoyed it in the ways that I did, but I always felt so bad for the tree and specifically felt bad when the needles would start dropping. And it just felt like this tree was like hot, like withering away in the house, like literally couldn't keep its needles on. And you know, the good old sweeping up the needles after the tree is gone and how when you take it down, it's just like super dead. So anyway, I'm blabbing here, but I love trees and I never felt right about it. So we've never done that. Uh, I can't say never. We, we probably did do that once or twice when the kids, the older kids were really tiny before I got clear on what I wanted to do. But in the years past, I had more of an excuse for not doing it. We always had little babies. We always had maybe a puppy. Um, Now we have cats. Like there's always been a good reason to logistically not have a tree. Uh, In Arizona, oh my gosh, I was like, guys, we're not bringing a tree into our house in the desert. Like that doesn't make any sense. So the kids have definitely wanted one over the years. Um, They've definitely felt sad about that, you know, and we've tried to decorate minimally in other ways. I love white lights. I will do that. Uh, One year we had a tiny little potted plant, a rosemary plant. So, you know, we didn't kill it. And I think it went outside afterwards. So we've come up with some substitutions over the years. I know it's probably not what a lot of my kids will do. I think a lot of them will really love a Christmas tree. But this has been my own personal choice. And again, um, you know, I think if you live on a Christmas tree farm or there's some way that that feels um, respectful, then it would make more sense. But going to the Christmas tree lot, picking a dead tree, it's just never sat right with me. It's just never sat right. So I recognize there's other ways of doing it. I love trees. I love the way they smell. The Christmas tree scent, I mean, real or fake, is one of my favorite scents. One of my most favorite essential oils is pine. So, you know, it's not been without some introspection there because I do think they're beautiful. I really do think Christmas trees are beautiful and the decorating of them is actually something I really do have good memories of. Uh, My mom would, you know, box up the ornaments every year. Every year we got a new ornament for Christmas for a present. And so, you know, the cycle continued and that is a really beautiful tradition. So, uh, you know, just is not one that I've chosen. And at this point, I probably won't go back on that. But who knows? Who knows? I am open to changing 
if need be. And perhaps in the future, we'll maybe live in some place where Christmas trees abound and having one outside maybe is even an option if you live in a wintry place. But, you know, I just always hated seeing all the trees out on the curb afterwards. It just felt so sad to me. Yeah, so on that note, on the note of sad Christmas trees, (laughs) uh, I am going to end this podcast. And again, just wishing you a happy holidays, encouraging you always to get in touch with your own voice, your own truth. If you are a mother, recognizing you are a powerful matriarch, that even if you don't have it quite together with traditions like these, there's always time. There's always ways to try things. There's always little things you want to sneak in. All right, everybody, have a really great holiday and a happy new year.